our masculinity, it's not accidental or our, our traits aren't accidental, excuse me. Like God made us this way and he did it for a purpose. Mm-hmm. So then taking that masculinity, you know, to be a man, right? So to be a man, that's using, making a conscious decision to use our masculinity and masculine traits as tools for good, right? So use, mm-hmm. use those impulses and traits to better ourselves, better our family, better our community. Welcome to Authentic Conversations. I'm your host, Ryan James Miller, and I believe the way to freedom, fulfillment, and success ultimately comes by living as the most authentic version of yourself. If you're ready to live the life you've dreamed of, you're in the right place. All right, what up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of the podcast. I am pumped, man. I mean, we are just doing good things. I've been getting a lot of really good feedback from you guys on this particular season. We're, I don't know, 30 or so episodes into season two. We've been talking to so many guys, a couple of ladies, but mostly guys uh, just on this topic of manhood and masculinity. And it is something that seems like it should be so clear. And yet there is so much confusion. There's so much question. There's really a lot of struggle. And so I've loved that while I would align in some way, shape or fashion with everybody we've talked to, everyone's got a little bit of a different perspective. And I think that's, what's really helping us to just continue to shape uh, who we are as men, who we want to be as men and how we want to lead this world uh, into this next season of life, uh, because we all know that we're not super pumped on Most of us are not pumped on the one that we're living right now. So with that, I have today Gabe Wander. Gabe uh, was introduced to me through a mutual friend. We had a short uh, conversation here not too long ago, uh, and I'm pumped to dig into the same topic with him. But for now, Gabe, what's up, man? Welcome. Hey, Ryan. Hey, uh, really happy to be here. Thanks for having me. Honored to be on your podcast. I've listened to it a bit um, here lately, and uh, man, what you're doing is great. So yeah, thanks for having me on. Awesome. And Gabe's already got it going on because if you're watching this, you see it, but if you're not, I mean, he's got all this cool paraphernalia behind him, American flag. He's got helmet back there, glove, just all all this like dude stuff. Plus he's in the great state of Texas. So that makes him a little bit more of a man than most everybody else out there. So he's just, he's got it. He looks physically fit. I mean, it's just all going on already. It's so good. Yeah, it was, uh, we uh, were so fortunate. We moved here to uh, Texas uh, five years ago um, from Seattle or outside of Seattle when I uh, retired from the army. So uh, the timing was perfect. Um, Family is flourishing here in Texas. That's uh, great grandpa Howard's glove back there when we found out that he was left-handed because all my kids are left-handed and we had no idea where it came from. So my father gave me that glove. So we, uh, we knew they weren't from the milkman, you know, (laughs) (laughs) it all makes sense now. (laughs) We're going to display that glove, (laughs) man. What, what a relocation. I mean, from uh, Seattle, um, you know, which is just its own world, right? I mean, it is just, it's total own world up there to Texas, which is its own world. Uh, and you said that you're in kind of like a more rural area. So I do actually have a question before we even get into the real question. So like, how has that transition been? Because I mean, that's, I mean, obviously you were in the military, um, you, but that that's just a busy city. It's really high pace. There's a lot going on. And now you're kind of chilling. I mean, maybe not life isn't yeah. chilling, but you know, like pace yeah. does. Right. So how, how does well, that so, go? So when I retired, I retired from the army in 2015, we were in Washington state. I was, uh, finished up, finished up out there. We bought 15 acres. What we thought was rural. Um, it was a 30 minute ferry ride to Seattle. Uh, 
Um, and it was nice. Uh, and, and we quickly, quickly realized that just the politics in Seattle were going so far left that while we used to, as a family, all go to Seattle on the ferry for a, a game or something, we stopped doing that and made it only my wife and I because just too much stuff going on there, the homeless, the drugs, the gangs and everything. Um, and then I would always uh, conceal carry when I went. And then it was how many extra rounds can I bring? And then it was no wife, only me for business. Um, and then we just stopped going. And those politics started moving over to the peninsula that we were at. And we'd come over to Texas to visit friends and family. And no matter where we were, like I, Midland was the, the turning point, actually. Went to visit some friends over there, went on a little deer hunt. And when we were getting back on the plane, small little airport, sagebrush is blowing by. And I was like, I feel like I'm leaving home to go back to what we had a beautiful property and, you know, mountain air. And I felt like we were leaving home. So we had one and a half kids at the time, wife was pregnant. And we decided if we're going to make it happen, if we wanted to be in Texas, then let's do it now. And we came out here and um, bought a little bit of land, four acres, not 15, because, you know, it's, it's Texas near Austin and it's kind of hard to get more than that. But um, it's great. We have four kids here now, under 10, an older 23-year-old daughter who went to college here in Texas with us, and she's a nurse here now, and it's just, wow. life is great out here. So we, we, we got a little bit of um, ribbing from our buddies uh, in Seattle that were like, hey, you're kind of doing a lateral move because you're moving to Austin, but <laughs> a, 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 a leftist in Texas is more moderate in the Pacific Northwest, and we fit in <laughs> great out here. And especially out here a little bit west and and even you know not all of our friends think the same way as us um mm -hmm. which is fine but we, we make friends really fast and we're personable people and just the people in texas are just amazing um, compared to the pacific northwest and just the angry angry culture you know so anyways long way to you answer know, but uh, no i you know I, I really appreciate that i mean obviously you know it, it gives people a lot of insight into just kind of you know a bit of insight into who you are. I think one thing that you said that I really appreciate, you know, you kind of said a funny, it's like, you know, a leftist in, a leftist in Texas, uh, I would say is still like, you know, the most far right moderate in California, same thing. Um, but what I really appreciate about Austin and, you know, it, it started to see some challenges. I don't know you're just outside the city, but um, you know, it started to see some challenges with its own overpopulation and homelessness. And they're starting to see some things there. But what I like there is, is that, even though there's a variety of politics, which, you know, which then just breeds a variety of culture and people that for the most part, people are pretty kind and generous to one another about kind of where they come from and who they are. And I think that that's just kind of the culture and nature of the South and, you know, in Texas, whereas, right. you know, when you're up in the Northwest down here in the Southwest now, um, you know, it's just so um, agenda and tribal driven that you just don't get that generosity and consideration for other people's thought. Right. And, and they're just uh, anecdotally uh, standing in line with somebody and it's nothing out here to get in a conversation with somebody. I, mean, I had even during COVID when everybody was clamoring for whatever food and such. Right. I mean, there was, ladies you know they were like oh hey you were looking for this i saw that and you know i i got this whatever bottle of something for you you know um you would never get that you would never get into conversation with somebody or just hey how are you doing or the what uh, what stuck out to uh my eldest daughter when she moved out here for college was um picked her from the airport and we're going to the turnstile or the um driving driving out uh, um 
the uh, the guy was you know young twenty something year old guy, and he was like, "Have a great day, hi," you know, and a, a few sentences, and that made such an impact on her in the first five minutes of being here in Texas, and she was like, "I'm not going back to Seattle," and um, she stayed here, you know, and it's great for us, but. Yeah, that's so good. That's so good. All right, that 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 that's some good background. It's a good history. Um, okay, so uh, you've heard, I'm sure, me ask a couple of guys this question. If you've listened to a couple of episodes, everybody kind of knows what's coming. Um, and so, for you, when you think about manhood and masculinity, obviously, even those are kind of two different uh, two different terms there. But what comes to mind? How do you think about that? How do you define that? So, the first thought was that when I was hearing you asking other folks about this in your pocket, that it's such that we even have to ask this question, right? I mean, like <laughs> 10 to 20 years ago, what is a man it was pretty obvious statement, right? So, but I've given this some thought, um, not because of podcast, but, you know, writing a little children's book and such, but to be a man to me. So first you have to be biologically male. So this is what you're born with, right? Your bone density, your muscle mass, your male genitals, all that stuff. Right. And then recognize that males have innate masculine traits and those come from hormones, testosterone, right? So like physical strength, pain tolerance, ambition, competition, risk-taking adventure or thirst for adventure, all those things. Right. So our, our masculinity, it's not accidental or our, our traits aren't accidental excuse me like god made us this way and he did it for a purpose mm -hmm. so then taking that masculinity you know to be a man right so to be a man that's using making a conscious decision to use our masculinity and masculine traits as tools for good right so use mm -hmm. use those impulses and traits to better ourselves better our family better our community um yeah then that's you know that's that's how i think of manliness or to be being a man essentially and how yeah. kind of masculinity <laughs> you know it's super funny i mean is first of all that we you know that we have to like define um you know male um that I, funny is probably actually not the, <laughs> the word that i would choose uh, but in all of the conversations i've had you're actually the first person to say that which i just love because it, it's it's just such a tiptoe right i mean people are people are so and again, a lot of times it really is coming from a place of empathy or consideration for other people. And they don't want to just come right out and blast people. But it's like, we have to start on this common ground. Like we, we can try and polish manhood and masculinity, but if you don't got a penis, like you just don't fit, right? Like it just, right. we can't start. Right. And, and there, there's, there's other categories that don't fit in that, right? Yeah. So if you were not born with the penis, it doesn't matter if you have masculine traits because you're taking hormones, it doesn't count. You're, you're not mm -hmm. a man. Um, uh, if you have a son, I have sons, um, they're born with the penis. Um, they have, they will have testosterone, right? But they're not a man yet. They can't use those masculine traits to better themselves and their community in the world. They're, yeah. they're, they're young men. Um, but you wouldn't say like, Hey man, this, my six-year-old, he's a man. Like he's not mm -hmm. a man yet. Um, he will be, but, uh, yeah, there's starting on the common ground. Like, number one, yeah. be a male, be a biological male, I think is, uh, yeah, pretty important. Well, okay. And this brings up another thing that I heard you allude to, and then you qualified it there, even when you were talking about your boys, which I think is, is so helpful too. Um, so when we think of, right? Biologically male, that's just like as clear cut as can be. Where we start to get into gray, and I'm not talking about like culturally gray today, but even for us that are seeking to become men and exercise our manhood, there, there is some gray area because 
you know, some people would say, okay, well, you become a man when, and it's like when you turn 18 or when you do this, but, but even that is, we, we have been challenged, like the, the generation kind of previous to this, where now they're calling into question um, sex, um, biological sex. Um, you know, the, the generation before, we were really struggling with a lot of these younger men that weren't exercising their manhood and definitely weren't doing it for good. You know, there was the generation of I'm sitting on the couch, I'm living with my parents until I'm 42 years old. Uh, I'm just doing whatever to get by, you know, these poor women that were out there were looking for just a guy to, you know, a good dude to marry, to, to, to build a family with, to take, to take care of them or to support them. And they couldn't find any. And so I think this is something that we've been struggling with. And so Interestingly enough, this really connects to, so you, how long did you serve in the military? 20 years, 20 years in a month. And you said in the army? In the army, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So um, you have to be at least 18 years old um, to, <laughs> to, oh, 17, sorry, 17 years old to get. So you, yeah. you, you enter in and, and for you, did you feel like, you were a man previous to going into the military or did you feel like there was this period or this moment or whatever that you started to feel like finally, okay, now I really feel like I'm a man because I feel like that's a place where, and again, this has been lost on, on society today too, but that's a place that really develop develops men, you know? Oh, absolutely. Right. Absolutely. So, so no, I know everyone has a different story of how or why they joined the military, the ones that, that joined. Right. And so, um, mine was not that. So mine, um, from an earlier age, 11, 12 years old, I would see my grandfather's medals in his office and, you know, just the pride that it gave him when he talked about it. But then that just kind of disappeared because my upbringing was a little different. Right. So I, I was living in a van on my own, going through high school, five, six different high schools. And, graduated and decided, hey, I'm going to earn earn and pay for college via the Army, right? So I enlisted. I was 17 years old. got a signature from one of my parents. Um, I was a private combat medic, um, jumping ahead, moved up the ranks to a sergeant, and eventually earned a degree and an officer in the Joint Special Operations Command. Um, but, so, but why I joined is different than why I stayed, right? So although I joined as a lost teenager, um, but I remained because I grew to love God and my country and my fellow soldiers, right? So I had some great mentors in the military. Um, I first pushed against it because I was a 17, 18, 19 year old kid. And I didn't like these men telling, you know, telling me what to do, but the, that's what the army's for. They break you down to a level, um, emotionally, physically, you know, everyone looks the same. They shave your head, all that stuff, right? We can get into more of what the military is doing now later, but, um, they do that. And then they kind of build you back up. Right. And so, um, with discipline and responsibility. I mean, I remember like it was a day when I was just what I thought was being beat down. Um, and I knew I was like, I am an intelligent person and I am probably smarter than half the people here, but I don't outrank anybody. So nothing's happening. Right. Um, and then one day someone saw something in me and, um, gave me some responsibility and that plus the mentorship and obviously trial and error on my part. Um, I started becoming a man, I would say in my young twenties, um, 21, 22 is when I actually felt pride in what I was doing, uh, patriotism, 
And I actually liked being in the army, not that it was just a job and I can't wait to get out or, you know, do my job and go with my buddies afterwards and just raise hell essentially. Right. So, um, I finished out my 20 year career, a little worse for the wear, but with a group of people that became much more than community, they were my family. And I credit so much of how I grew as a man, um, from the military. Man, that is so awesome. And so what do you feel for you was, was the beginning of the mindset shift? So obviously again, very different today, which I do want to get to, but you know, very different today, how the arm, the military is approaching everything today. Um, but you know, part of it definitely break you down just like, you know, you, you are bare, you know, and, and build you up, but what kind of mindset shifts did you feel like you experienced that helped you to realize that I don't want to be this person that I came in as anymore. I want to leave as something so much better. Um, th- there was, you know, I, I let's see to, a- to answer that question, the shift for me professional wise. And I think it kind of all goes together with how I felt about, um, I would, I, I would feel prideful I feel pride, excuse me, to wear the uniform and the boots and everything that great people before me have worn. So I guess I mean, it, it was essentially around 9-11. And so this, this time happened where, so I was enlisted, so sergeants, right? And then I had just finished college and I was getting ready to go to um, San Antonio to go through officer basic course, right? So it was actually, my report date was September 21st, 9-11 happened, well, on the 11th. Right. So I was actually at home for a two week leave. And, you know, when you're an officer, you're a professional, like this is like, there's no like, Oh, I'm going to sign for four more years. Would you like to sign for four more? It's you are in until you resign your commission. Um, then you're out. Like that's what it is. Right. So, um, for me, it was kind of a turning point or that was my mental shift from the 17 year old private of yesteryear, having some fun and seeing the world. And I had three credit cards for four rims and things like that. Like now, now I was like a professional with a chance to actually make, make a difference. And so I, I had a plan and my plan was um, go to anesthesia school, get into JSOC, which is not a cor- a organization that you can ask to join. It's just proximity, put yourself in that place, which is why I went to Bragg and see if you get invited. Right. So I had my plans. I was like, I'm going to actually try to make a difference. So finished anesthesia school, I ended up getting recruited to JSOC and that's where my worldview changed. And so it, there's no better way to cement the greatness of America in your mind and deploying around the world, seeing the best that the world has to offer. And it still pales in comparison to the US. So anyways, I kind of like jumped ahead in my little career there, but um, it was right around that time where it was, you're, you're, there's not a job anymore. This is a profession and you are a professional. You are an army officer who has the uh, extra duty of doing anesthesia for some of the greatest door kickers out there. And, but you're an officer and conduct yourself as such. And, um, it was, I felt a lot more weight on my shoulders. Um, but I was walking amongst giants and seeing, you know, you kind of feed off each other and everybody has their demons and everybody has their stuff that they're working with, but collectively feeding off each other and just in the, um, uh, community of the guys and, uh, gals in that, uh, arena, it was, uh, it was made it easier to be around those good people. Dude, you are the guy that this generation needs so badly because 
I mean, the way that you said, you know, walking amongst giants and being so proud to wear the uniform and to represent this country. And we know that there is tons of trash happening all around us and our government's a part of it. Other entities are a part of it. We haven't chosen to fight every war the right way. And there is messes to be made and have been made in all different kinds of places. But the fact that you continue to so proudly speak about the country that you served, saying, you know, like going out everywhere, seeing the best that the world has to offer and realizing that it still pales in comparison. Like we, we bitch and complain so much about the country that we live in. And, and again, there's, there's good reason to bitch and complain about a lot of what, what we're seeing happen, but we still live in the best country this world has, or will probably ever see until God returns. And so it's like, it just, it breaks my heart to see so many people that disregard just how amazing this country is and just how amazing the men and women are that have gone to fight for this country. So maybe that was a whole monologue right there for me just to say, thank you for, for being that way. And I pray to God that you are just using a megaphone to go out and speak that to people all around the world or around the country. Yeah, no, the, the, um, thank you. Thank you for that. Um, it's, uh, you know, it's, it's humbling to have, to have done that. Um, and yeah, I mean, like if you use the litmus test of, you know, America, right. Um, open, open every single board. I'm not an open border advocate, but open every border and see the flow patterns. Like right? where's everybody going to go? Even if they say, well, I hate America, et cetera, open all the borders. And where's everybody going to want to go? It's, it's here. This is a great country, which is why everybody who says, you know, if this, then I leave, if this, then that, um, everyone's still here. And cause it's amazing. And I would never want to be anywhere else. Yeah, no, that's so good. Okay. Um, gosh, there's so many things, but I, I do, I do want to like kind of keep a, a track of thought going yeah. because I think it's helpful for right now. And I want to come back to the, uh, some of the uh, present day military. Cause we talked about that a little bit before and we were having some fun, but, um, you are writing a children's book and I don't typically, I haven't been talking too much about what my guests are doing nowadays because everybody's talking about that stuff, but I think it mm -hmm. is extremely uh, interesting that a guy like you is writing a children's book. And so what's it about? What birthed that child of an idea? And what are you hoping to accomplish as the result? So what birth, birth or the genesis that would birth this book. So after my first appointment with JSOC, I got married when one of the docs on the team introduced me to his daughter, which was amazing. So we emailed wow. for the remainder of that deployment. Yeah. And um, I mean, frankly, it was a great way to court, right? I had never seen her yet, just pictures, um, but without any distractions or pressure. We talked about our hopes, dreams, religion, thoughts on raising kids, marital roles, traditional roles. And we fell in love with it before even seeing each other. And we're actually married um, two months after we met. So anyways, get married. Just before another deployment, she became pregnant with our first son. And I go deploy the nightly missions. And then I combined with the lingering effects of a parachute injury that I got, that made me really acutely aware of my own mortality. And for the first time ever, I feared not coming home. So I began to write what I'd wish to pass on to my unborn son, should I never get to see him again. Um, not just life lessons, but also tangible actions that he could incorporate into his everyday life to help mold him into a good man and help him flourish. 
So then I added to that list with every deployment and pregnancy until I safely retired back in 15. And so now I have three sons, the eldest, he's 10 now. Um, so a couple of years ago, I decided it was time to gather all my ideas or everything that I was thinking about and assemble them in a way that they could have an impact on him and you know my little guys essentially every day. Um, the book just started turning out so well in the illustrator that I got. And um, then it just kind of slowly, it, it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't a, I'm going to go be an author and make a bunch of money off of this. It was trying to get a message out there first, just so my kids could have something. And then um, it just, you know, it got picked up by a publisher and um, it's doing great, you know? And, um, but yeah, so, you know, boys, right. So like um, there's a lot of people in this, in this space, right. Um, you, other people like, masculinity and becoming a man right so my mission here like to, the more people doing this the better right i'm not in reinventing any wheel i'm not doing anything different but um, it's relevant to me i care about it so i'm trying to do something about it but so my mission here is to pass down manhood to the next generation and to the young boys by encouraging them from a young age how to embrace their masculinity in healthy and productive ways harness their innate aggression and ambition and provide them tangible actions that they can incorporate in their everyday life to help them grow, excuse me, and uh, flourish into men, leaders, heroes. So that's where the children's book is. Um, but if we can influence and encourage boys from a young age how to be a man, that's ideal, right? Because getting and staying on the right path when you're young is, a, is far superior than trying to correct for a bad trajectory when you're older. Mm -hmm. So like, I guess it's more simply, right? Good choices, good choices when you're young will sort of give you that buffer, give you less of a chance for failure later on in life. Um, and so that's, you know, it, it's it's just a bunch of, I don't say fancy words, but it's just more words than everybody knows is you're trying to raise good kids. You're trying to raise healthy kids. And in this society right now where um, masculinity and males are under attacks literally every day, um, it's even more relevant now, you know? Yeah. I mean, gosh, that, that, that's, that's so, so is the book uh, published? It is. Yes. It came out last August or so. Okay. Um, maintain eye contact while shaking hands, a message to boys on being a man. It's a great oh, book. Man. Um, okay. So right Amazon, in the middle right now, I'm going to say, right yeah. now, right, right <laughs> in the middle of, I'm going to say this. If you're listening right now and you're like, I got to have that book. First four people that send an email to Ryan at RyanJamesMiller.com, I will buy it and I will send it to you. So uh, just uh, if you heard to this point and you're actually paying attention, you can have a free copy, but you just got to email me and I'll make sure get, to get you one. We'll, we'll put a link into the show notes for anybody else that wants to buy one after that. Okay, so you have published the book. Which, by the way, I love this because I'm I'm a dad to two daughters. Uh, my daughters are 20 and 13. One's in a pretty serious oh. relationship. We think she'll probably get married. That's the 20 year old, thankfully. Um, but but you know, for me, um, so my oldest daughter, um, her boyfriend, uh, great kid, so smart, hard worker. But he's basically grown up without a father since since the age of seven. His dad was killed, and you can see that. And I'm trying to do everything that I can in the last three years and will continue to do so as long as he's in our life to be that influence, not because he's a bad kid and trying to turn him around, but just trying to help equip him with things that his mom never could. And that's not to take away from his mom. I mean, I was raised by a single mom for a, a lot of my life and they do the best they can, but there's just such a gap. So, you know, for, for a dad to two daughters, 
I am praying for a generation that is that is investing into these younger boys and young men because our daughters are going to suffer the consequence of these idiots that are being raised by idiots. I mean, it's just it's terrible. Absolutely. I, I, that's, that's amazing that you're doing that for him. That's, that's great. I mean, we all know, right. The importance of a father in a child's life is undeniable um, as is their fundamental need to raise good men because good men become good fathers. Right. And so um, as we get older, if we don't have someone giving us uh, or guiding us down that path, uh, how are you going Like, How do you know what to do? How do you know what you're, what you, what you are supposed to do as a man, as a father, as a husband. Um, and, and, yeah, what are the rules and, you know, and everything for that, you know, and, and uh, I mean, we as men, we have to choose to be a father every day and intentionally become better ourselves so we can become better fathers. Um, yeah. we, we bring our talents to work, right? We bring our talents to the gym, bring them as a husband, bring them as a father. And, you know, boys want to be like their father or or, or their role model. Right. So, mm-hmm. but and it's our job to make sure that's a worthy pursuit for them. So it's, it's, man, it's daunting, you know, and, and I don't, you know, I am far from perfect or mediocre. Sometimes I think I'm right of mediocre. So that's great. But I mean, gosh, it's, it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, it's a challenge every day, you know, and, yeah. and, uh, I, I pray every night and, and one of the first things that I pray, um, I thank God for my blessings and I pray to make me a better husband and to make me a better father. And then specifically what I'm trying to work on and, you know, then, then I go down and pray for the, you know, other things that are, you know, on my mind, but it always starts with that. And, um, it's, it's comforting and it's actually, I actually fall asleep every time I pray. And so I make sure I'm not laying down when I do it, or I try to, because I get such a comforting feeling when I do that, because I I feel that that's what we need to do. And, um, you know, uh, I know you're a man of faith. Um, I was raised Christian. I'm actually uh, Jewish, uh, was born and raised Jewish and married a beautiful Jewish woman. And we are raising our kids in the Jewish faith, um, which is essentially, you know, we, we, it, it's all the same book, right? And so we, we had Judeo-Christian values and we differ on a few things, but I mean, we, we are godly people here and we pray and we raise our kids in healthy and productive ways, right? So um, my, my goals as a man, as a father, right? I, I guess it can all be boiled down to two things. Um, one is to take care of my wife, no matter what, and let my kids and community see that relationship and then raise godly children. And mm. if you can kind of put everything in those two categories, everything else just kind of falls into place there. So good, man. What, what I really appreciate about that very last statement is, um, so I, I was a pastor for many years and I was often counseling, um, young couples that were getting ready to be married or even couples post marriage, you know, maybe they were having some challenges. And one of the things that I would always say to them was you have to put your marriage before your kids. And it's really hard for people to wrap their heads around because understandably these kids are helpless for a long period of time. And you're like, what do you mean? Like th- these are the most important, they came from me. And I'm like, yes, they are. And they need you and they depend on you. But if you don't put your marriage first, everything else suffers. And we see that when husbands and wives start to elevate their kids above their spouse And you start to see that breakdown in the relationship, which then ends up affecting, as you said, the kids. It's just this trickle down effect. So I I, I love that so much. Okay, so yeah. uh, uh, one more question there on the book, and then and and then we'll have a little bit of fun. But um, so, uh, what is some of the feedback that you've gotten from people, maybe even complete strangers, as they've read that book? 
Um, some of the, so let's see, um, one of the most recent ones that I just, you know, it is a stranger who wrote a review on it. Um, he said um, that the, his son would swell with pride when he would get to a page that was like, Hey, I'm already doing that. Like I'm a man, mm. you know, and he'd read a few more things and get to another page. And, and, uh, he was he'd just beam, you know? And so this is a guy that I've never met. I don't know him, um, purchased a book and wrote a review and, uh, it was just the most recent one that I read. And that, that struck me because you don't have to be perfect as boys, as men. Right. But, um, still strive, strive every day, strive to do something better. And if you don't have everything down, but you did one thing great. Like, you know, we say that in the gym, right. Get a little bit better than yesterday or whatever you're doing. Right. And, um, same thing with being a man, just do a little better, do a little better. So, um, yeah. And, and globally though, it's been amazing feedback. You know I mean? We have friends who buy 15 of them to give to people who have new, new kids. Um, it's in the library now here in my local town and it's, wow. you know, it's, it's, uh, it's great. You know, um, I, I thought I'd get more, uh, pushback on it because it's very direct. It says, you know, you're a man and it's very, it starts out with, you know, being a godly man and then all the tangible things to do. And you're not a woman and, you know, um, and it's, it's in beautiful pictures and, you know, mm. easy to read and stuff. It's a great picture book for kids. Um, and, uh, for the young kids, um, a read, a read to a read with for like five mm. to seven year olds. And, uh, independent reading for eight and up. So it kind of like fills the whole thing there. Cause, but anyways, yeah. Um, I thought I'd get more pushback because of, of the, the type of book it is, but um, so far uh, not, which is great. Awesome. Or maybe it's not, you know, getting out there enough, but either way it's, uh, it's good stuff. And, and I'm going to expect the humble answer. And so that, that's, that's fair, but I want, I want a real good one. Um, how does it make you feel knowing that something that was birthed out of just a way for you to write to your, child has turned into something that's impacting and influencing an entire generation of people? Um, yes, it's, it, 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 it's very humbling. I mean, um, getting in front of a camera or on a podcast is not my forte, you know, uh, but, but I, to get some, to get the word out there, I'm happy to do it. And I love doing this and meeting great people and stuff, but, um, no, it's, it's, uh, it's, it is a source of pride. Uh, you know, we had some buddies who had a birthday party the other day and they said, Hey, can you just bring a book for our kid um, for his birthday? And absolutely. I was going to do that anyways, but you know, yes, you know, and, uh, or the, yeah, the, that, that someone, someone would actually buy what I wrote or complete strangers, or there's some, I didn't even, I didn't know that Goodreads was a thing and people are like lining up saying that they're, I don't know, whatever Goodreads is for. It's uh, yeah, it's, it's humbling. Um, mm. it's great. And, and I hope just everybody gets on the bandwagon, you know, for young boys, for young men, for grown men, and, uh, just continue this whole push because the left pushes so much and it feels maybe just like now that I'm more involved in this space and mm. thinking about it and reading about it and listening to it. But I mean, it, and you can tell me more probably, but I mean, it does feel like there's a bigger swell of pushback and they just a bigger, you know, yeah, just a bigger pushback against what the left is doing and how they're trying to just just uh, uh, indoctrinate and and with our kids and men and but change masculinity, which is you can't. It's not new. Yeah, it's all the same. Yeah, I mean, you know, 
my answer is going to be probably a bit unfortunate to hear for all the guys that are out there to some degree. But, you know, I think what we're start we started to see is, and, and I would say this probably happened around the time when they started forcing COVID mandates uh, on kids. And um, I, I don't care where people stand. Uh, you get vaccinated if you want. I didn't, I've been very public about it, but I don't, I don't judge a single person. Everyone has their own decision and right to do so. And I think that's fair and, and wise. Um, at the same time, I think what we saw was when the schools particularly started to force mandates, vaccine mandates on the kids. I think the, the it was the women that really had enough. I, I think that it was a lot of the moms uh, that finally decided that they were just going to take matters into their own hands and start speaking up. I mean, some of the most outspoken channels that I was finding on social media were from women. Um, and I think that the men are finally starting to catch up to that, um, to, to stand alongside their wives or, or to finally lead their wives in saying like, you know, I mean, the mom, mom's typically the one again, that's involved in school. Mom's typically the one and, and except for a few uh, things like involved in the sport more consistently a lot of the time. And so I think dads have taken a back seat for so long that they're now they're realizing like, if I'm not involved in my kid's life from day one, my kids are in trouble. And so I think that started to swell that then also with guys like Rogan and Jocko, uh, Ben Shapiro, a couple of other public figures that were out there, like really calling the men to, to be like, yo, you, you got to get a voice because we can't just continue to watch this happen. And what I appreciated about Rogan is, I mean, he is very left of where I am socially, you know, politically, uh, fiscally, um, culturally, but he was kind of the sound a, a bridge b between a, a lot of these people that weren't sure kind of where they stood in this whole thing. And so I do think that we're starting to see a lot of men raise up and be like, enough is enough. You know, you, you, you for a while it was, you can do what you want as long as you kind of just, you know, leave me alone. But now, I mean, uh, up until, you know, just recently, you know, uh, the uh, drag show for the little kids in Texas was just like, holy shit. Like, what have we done? Like, I mean, again, you know, as an adult, do what you want, be what you want, but like, we're just not going to do this and we're not going to stand for this. And so I think that finally it's starting to swell up. What I pray though, is that though we're frustrated and I get frustrated, though we're angry and we get angry that that does not spill over into us irresponsibly addressing the issues. Like sometimes we do have to physically fight and I'm for that. Um, I'm a proud gun owner for a reason, right? At one point, you know, it may have to be utilized, but I just hope that it doesn't turn into this, um, like just, a, 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 an act of aggression that doesn't get the point across and actually just makes matters worse. So, um, I'm hopeful. Um, but at the same time, I'm just concerned, obviously this political race for the next couple of years going into 2024 is going to be quite interesting too. And so we'll see what happens. I don't know. Um, okay. So go ahead. Oh, no. Yeah. I was just going to add to that. I mean, the, the, your 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 propensity or males or a, a man's propens propensity for violence that's something that's born that we're born with right and so it's it's yeah i want to solve every argument with a fist 
but you can't, right? And, and um, even the more sophisticated arguments, obviously you can't. Um, and so that's 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 part of being a man is is controlling that aggression and harnessing it, right? You you were born with the ability to be a beast, right? But but choose not to be. Choose when it's appropriate to be when to put on your tie and and have a conversation or be a gentleman, you know. Um, so yeah, it's it's uh, it's part of being a man, right? So good, man. Okay, last question. This is kind of like you know we had we had a little bit of fun with this before, but uh, in our first conversation, but um, we did talk about the fact that um, the military that um, structure that you served under even just ten years ago is f- five years ago, or I guess it was eight years ago you got out, but is far different yeah. from what we're seeing now. And so, as you look into what's happening right now, which is just, again, an indoctrination of liberal and leftist ideas. And I mean, I can't even, I can't even believe that I say like that the, that the U S military is, is generally now a woke organization. It's crazy to say that, but like, what do you, what do you see or how do you feel when you look at the military today in comparison to what you served in just a few years ago? It's um, it's very different, right? So when I was in, the old timers would say things like, "Oh, the old army, the old army." And I was in when there was beer vending machines in Panama, right? It, that was normal <laughs> in the barracks. That was like, yeah, it's fine, um, you know. But like, so aside from the left trying to indoctrinate our kids with perverse uh, uh, or normalizing perverse ideas of sexuality, they're also trying to feminize our most masculine institutions, like the military, for example, right? So. Uh, I'm sure everyone's seen this by now, but the army's recruiting video and compare that to the Russians and Chinese, they're probably just laughing at us, right? Um, or just what, I didn't look at all the rest of them, but what the Marines just posted uh, at the beginning of Gay Pride Month, right? A, a full metal jacket helmet with um, rainbow ammo. Like that's complete swing and a miss. Like the military is not supposed to be for identity politics or social engineering. Its job is to break things, kill people, win wars. And we're not supposed to celebrate um, special people or special snowflakes or give special treatment to individuals or groups. I mean, I, I alluded to that in the beginning where you start off with shaving your head and all wearing the same uniform. And the only difference thing is that you have your name on your uniform and that's it. You are the same and you are a machine, right? So um, no, no, uh, no tactical, uh, or the tactics of a certain mission or war or something has never been improved because so-and-so likes to sleep with so-and-so or so-and-so likes to do this after work hours, right? No, mm-hmm. the best person for the best job and the strongest person to lift big things and the best person to be the sniper, et cetera. I mean, that's what it's about, right? So the military, and I can say from the beginning and even now, right? So we don't like, we don't see color. There's no, when you're in the higher units or, or, or tip of the spear type units, right? There's, there's not even any rank. I mean, there is when you have, when it has to be, but it's, it's, we're all here for a purpose and we're all here to kill things and break things. And um, the left trying to change it. I mean, so, uh, you know, every once in a while they, they do acquiesce and he's like, Oh yeah, well, this is not going to work. Boys and girls are actually different. And like, so uh, the army's PT test or the physical fitness test, for example, right? So they were super, uh, vocal about this new physical fitness test, right? And it's going to be as a gender neutral fitness test. And they were going to put this out. And so finally they put it out, right? But then last year, the Sergeant Major of the Army said, ah, we're going to go back to the gender specific ones because 44% of women are failing compared to 7% of guys. Or let's change it and say 
Um, only 66 women scored over 500, um, whereas 32,000 men scored over 500, right? So we need masculine men to do masculine things, right? A 120 pound female is usually not able to lift a 200 pound man in kit off the battlefield, right? So there's a reason that men and women are different. Um, the army is supposed to be, or the military is supposed to be for something, leave it at that. It's, uh, you know, it's, uh, everyone's seen the meme, right? Like, you know, good times, weak men, weak men, you know, et cetera. Right. Um, but that's, we have the luxury. We don't, have, we shouldn't, but there's a luxury right now. Not too much is going on. There's always something going on, but now we're playing with the military. Like it's a little widget and let's try this. Let's try that. Let's let somebody in specifically so they can have transgender surgery. Like how is that in the best interest of the country Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the, the military, like that is not going to win a war. That's not going to build unit cohesion to win a war. Right. So, um, it's great that we're, you know, we're, you know, there's all kinds of things that can happen all the time, but it's great that we're in a time of peace that we feel that we can mess with the military, but we shouldn't, you know, until, and then you, you need the military and then you've kicked out all the people that can actually cause damage. Right. Or, or mm-hmm. they have actually left because they just can't take it anymore. Um, yeah. so. That's actually uh, that that last thing you said is one thing that I think has been really heartbreaking, whether it's been, again, forced vaccines for some of them um, or the identity politics that has now just bled its way into everywhere. It's like we, we are we are forcing out the most incredible men and women that desire to serve and protect this country and are willing to put their lives on the lines for complete strangers because they believe that's the right thing to do. And these people are being driven out and they're being at times, not everybody, but at times they're being replaced by people because they check certain boxes. And that's just heartbreaking to me. Um, I couldn't imagine, and I know it happens in a lot of other places too, but just being cut off of my dream and, and my God-given like uh, uh, talent, gift, desire, drive, and purpose, because somebody else is trying to play God in the midst of it. It's just, it's it's just been horrible to see. They they did something back in at least the army did. I'm not sure about the other. Um, when I was still active, I was actually deployed when this came out. Um, so it would have been about 2013 or 14, <clears throat> and that's when the um, the army said that if you have a tattoo that show that that's visible beyond your PT shirt or a t-shirt. So if you had anything up here or anything beyond here, right. And so who has tattoos that are beyond your sleeve, right? Probably every infantryman, every door kicker, every seal, every ranger, not every, but them, you know, yeah, they're going to have your tattoos. Right. So now they, they didn't, they didn't say we're not, we're going to kick you out. They said, um, you just can't advance. You can't go to any schools. You can't get promoted. You can't get this kind of, so essentially ending the career, of all the door kickers, um, uh, because well, you know, and, and at the same time, that's when they said transgenderisms are uh, transgenders. I don't know how to say it, are allowed in the military, right? So it was like this big social engineering project. And I know personal, uh, personally, I know people who careers just drastically changed mm. um, because of that, or what path they were on. So it's uh, I don't know the actual. Uh, they might have repealed it recently or not or something, but it was there for a while for sure. Oh, and in the end we all suffer. So that's just, that's rough. Gabe, this was good, man. I mean, I, I, I'm, I'm so thankful that, you know, that we were introduced 
so randomly, but not at all. Uh, yes. just, it, it makes total sense. So thank you for definitely the time today. Uh, super valuable. I know that there's going to be a lot of people that will be really encouraged and blessed by the things that you said. Again, I say, man, thank you for serving this country. Um, it is, you know, it is just, it's such an honor to spend time with people that do and did, uh, because it, it is, it, it's, it's why we are the country that we are. So man, thank you so much. Thank you. I appreciate it. And um, I just want to end on one little thought uh, or based on our last um, uh, little uh, discussion there. Um, I don't want to end on a sour note about the military, right? Just like America is the greatest country out there, right? Our military is great. I mean, there's so many good people in there, right? Mm -hmm. And and just like no matter who is the president or who is in charge, um, our, we're always going to America is always going to do good because of our fighting spirit. And so the military will always do what it needs to do. We're still mm -hmm. the best military. And it's still I um, if my boys could join the military today or would want to join the military today, I'd be more than happy to, mm -hmm. you know, back them for that. So, I mean, it's great country, great military. Um, we are fortunate. I, that's the only privilege we have. Right. Our privilege is that we are in America. That's yes. that's our privilege. Right. So, um, so good, man. But yeah, so love it. Um, Lastly, about men, right? So let's, or young boys, let's strive to raise our young men to seek wisdom, learn from history, stand between good and evil and follow their calling and um, raise our young boys to be uh, good, strong men. That's good, man. Well, guys. He ended it. That, 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 that was a great way to end. So as always, if you have questions, thoughts, concerns, we'll make sure to put contact information uh, to Gabe in the show notes. You can reach out to him. You know where to find me. I'm here willing to field anything you got. If you have any great guest ideas for upcoming episodes, you want to have conversations like this, please send them my way. In the meantime, be you, be happy, be authentic. Talk to you soon. Thank you for joining me on this episode of Authentic Conversations. If you are ready to live the life you've dreamed of, I'm here to help. Head to ryanjamesmiller.com slash podcast to begin your journey. And if this episode impacted you in any way, pay it forward by sharing it with someone you know. I'm Ryan James Miller, and I'll see you next time on Authentic Conversations.